When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode eight of this study on Exodus, and we left yesterday um, in Exodus chapter three, verses 14 where God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We spend a little bit of time talking about what I am means. It's tied in with the name of God, which is Y-H-W, Yah, Y-H-Y-W, Yah, Yahweh. (laughs) Whatever, it's the tetra, it's the tetra, it's what they call the tetragrammaton because it's four letters. In Hebrew, there are no vowels. So it's um all, you only get the you only get the consonant sounds in Hebrew when it's written out. And so it's Yahweh. And this name, I just want to talk about this name a little bit because I'm in in Hebrew in Jude, Judaism this name of God was considered to be so holy and so set apart. Like Moses went up to the burning bush and God said to Moses, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. And so Moses did. He was in the presence of God. When you are in the presence of God, you realize that he can crush you, he can destroy you, he has all the power, you have no power. This is what it means to be in the presence of God. And so in the early Hebrew Israelite religion, they would never say the name of God. It was too holy. So even today, if you look on a, let's say, a Jewish nation of Israel newspaper, oftentimes you will not see the name of God. It'll say G, and then it'll have an asterisk, and then it'll be D. I mean, they won't even say the name God, let alone say the proper name of God that that comes to us from Genesis and Exodus. And it's why it's Yahweh, and nobody's really even sure how to pronounce it because it, nobody pronounced it for a long time. Because in the Hebrew language, there are no vowels, so it could have been it could have been Yiwi or Yahweh or Yu Wu or something. I mean, there, there's just a bunch of different ways that it could have been pronounced, and it's and it's tied in with this idea that I am who I am. It's the same letters. So, in the in the Hebrew scriptures. When you look at a Hebrew Bible, they, there was a group of people called the Masoretes, and they knew the pronunciation of the Old Testament. So when you went to synagogue or when you read the Old Testament, it all it had was the vowels or, or the, uh, the consonants. And so you had to be trained as a person to be able to read the scriptures and understand the pronunciation of all of these things because it didn't give you the vowels. Imagine in in our world, if all the vowels were taken out of our sentences, you could probably still read the sentences and it would still make sense to you. There have been experiments that do this. But the actual pronunciation, like what was the letter between Let's say was, W-A-S. Is it was, or is it whiz, or is it woos, or is it wise, or is it wes? There, there's so many different ways that you could pronounce that. And so 
the pronunciation, the oral history of the pronunciation of these vowels was passed down from generation to generation. All they had was the consonants. So by the time it got to the Masoretes, they realized that it was time to actually add vowels back into the Hebrew scriptures. But the Hebrew scriptures were holy. And the Hebrew scriptures, believe it or not, have a certain number of characters. What I mean, I mean, uh, consonants. So many A's, so many B's, so many C's, so many D's. And when they would write out and copy these texts, they would do two things. First is that they would count the number of letters in the text from the beginning of chapter one of verse one of the text all the way to the end, the last chapter of the last verse of that particular scroll. It was all written on scrolls. And so you'd have this scroll and would have all the, the writing, the written language on it. They would count all the letters and they would write it down. Then they would compare that the number of those letters to the standard. So let's say there were 10,000 letters or 50,125 50, letters in the book of Genesis, let's say. So you'd count all the letters and maybe you'd do it two or three times to make sure you have that letter count properly. Then you'd go back to the scroll and you'd see, yes, it's 50,123 letters. If it was 50,122, then they would throw out the scroll. It's crazy. And they couldn't throw away the scroll because it had the name of God on it. And so you would end up with the scroll that was that was in error, but you couldn't throw it away because it has the name of God on it. You can't reuse it because it's a scroll. So oftentimes they'd put it in jars or bury it or whatever. And that's where the Dead Sea Scrolls come from. These 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 scrolls that they... they um, hid away in the in the caverns in Qumran outside of the Dead Sea. Anyway, so they would also count. So once you knew how many letters were in that, then you would count uh, halfway through it. Let's say it's 50,123. So it would be 25,070 or 61, uh, 25,061 letters. And then you'd have the middle letter, and then you would count to the rest of it. You should get 50,000, um, what did I say, 600 or 061. So that letter they would also put at the beginning of the scroll. And they'd say, this is how many letters there are in the scroll. And this is the middle letter of the scroll. And so if those two checks passed, then the scroll was considered to be a good scroll. And so what you end up with in the Hebrew language, which is just absolutely amazing, is that you've got this? You've got a very, very good replication process to make sure that errors don't creep into these scrolls. So by the so the Masoretes had a very, very good scroll, but they knew that they knew the pronunciation of all these words. But they decided to do something very clever. They would go to these scrolls and they would add vowels or add symbols on these consonants to show how it's supposed to be pronounced. It's called the pointing. So they might have a dot above a letter. For example, there's a letter that's that's uh, it's pronounced either S or SH. And whether or not it's an S or a SH is whether or not there's this dot on top of the letter. Uh, there's there's uh, lines that we would put under the letter. That there there were dots that they would put under the letter. They put a little A underneath the letter. What? Well, I'm sorry, it's not an A. It's actually a T, but it's pronounced A. So it's a 
It's a T that they would put under the letter. They have all these, it's called the pointing system. And so in the Old Testament, you have this group of people called the Masoretes who pointed or added the vowels to the Old Testament Hebrew text, scrolls, and this is called the Masoretic text because it was the Masoretes that actually added the vowels in. And so now we are blessed today that we don't have to know how each word was pronounced by the Masoretes or what the tradition was because we now have a vowel system that tells us how to pronounce those words. The problem is, is that the Masoretes had never heard the word Yahweh. I mean, all they'd seen was the four letters. And so it didn't matter how to pronounce it, right? Because they never pronounced that word. They never pronounced the proper name of, of God. When I was taking Hebrew at Denver Seminary back in, oh, 1998, 1999, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I took, I took, uh, I went to Denver Seminary. I was living in Denver at the time and I took Hebrew. The, the seminary was right up the street from me and I wanted to learn Hebrew and Greek. So I went up on Saturday morning that Hebrew and Greek classes from the seminary. And the guy that taught the Hebrew class never pronounced the name of, of God. He never said Yahweh. And he said that saying that name to somebody, he, he taught Hebrew to Israel, from, to Jewish people. So he, he was very, very connected with that community and he would teach Hebrew in that community and he would never ever say the name of God. He would always pronounce something else. So what do you do if you are if you are Jewish and you're reading along and you come to the proper name of God in the scripture? What do you say? <laughs> I mean, it'd be like, um, and so Moses went up to the bushing, the burning bush, and there spoke to him out of the burning bush, saying, uh, I mean, you you have to you have to have a noun, you have to have something that signifies that replaces the proper name of God. And so what the Hebrews did is that they actually said, instead of saying God, they said the word, my Lord. So in our translations of scripture, oftentimes you'll look at a translation of scripture, and you're going along and it says, Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, and when it's a capital L-O-R-D, all of those in capital letters, Lord, what that signifies is that the word in Hebrew is not Lord, but it is the actual proper name of God. Now, the name for Lord in Hebrew is Adonai, uh, my, my Lord, Adon, and then the, the ending, I, which means mine. So my Lord, that's the, that's the proper name of God in Hebrew. That's the substitute name of God in Hebrew. Instead of saying God or the proper name of God, you would say, Lord, my Lord. So you'd say, Moses went up to the burning bush and my Lord spoke to him out of the burning bush. Or the Lord spoke to him out of the, out of the burning bush. That's how you would translate it and that's how you would say it. So you would, you would read along, and when you got to the proper name of God, you would substitute my Lord or the Lord for God, and then you would go on. Well, uh, sometimes it actually is my Lord, <laughs> 
And there can be some confusion there. And so another time in other places, they would, instead of saying my Lord, they would say Hashem, which is the name. And so you would, you would read along, Moses went up to the burning bush and the name or Hashem spoke to him out of the burning bush. And there was a tradition as to whether or not uh, this word Yahweh should be translated as Adonai, which is my Lord, or Hashem, which is the name of God. And because both could be used when you saw the proper four letters of the name of God, you could either say Adonai or you could say Hashem. And so the Masoretes, when they came up to this, they would give the vowels to Adonai or they would give the vowels to Hashem underneath and pointed around this, this proper name of God. So you're coming along and you're reading, Moses came to the burning bush and you would see that it says Yahweh. Underneath it is the vowels for Adonai. And so you would say, Moses went to the burning bush and Adonai spoke to him out of the burning bush or God, the, the Lord spoke to him out of the burning bush. Or it might be pointed as Hashem. And so you'd say, uh, Moses went up to the burning bush and Hashem spoke to him out of the burning bush because it had the vowels of Hashem underneath the word Adonai. I know this is kind of confusing, but the reason why I point this out is because Luther, when he was reading scripture and he had learned, he had learned Hebrew. And so he was reading, reading Hebrew when he came up to this word. Um, remember the, the, the Jewish people and the, the, the Roman Christians so the Roman Christians at Lutheran's, at Luther's time didn't care about the Hebrew scriptures because at some point the Hebrew scriptures are translated into Latin and the Roman Catholics believed that the Latin was the holiest of languages. So they didn't care about the translation. They never went back and looked at the Hebrew scriptures. They just simply didn't do that. They might have done it as a, as a, a learning thing or as a historical thing of an interest, but they never went back to the, to, to the Hebrew scriptures. All they had was, uh, was this, this Latin, Latinized version of the Hebrew scriptures. Now, the story is told that in the early, early Hebrew tradition, there was the original Hebrew scriptures. And they wanted to translate the Hebrew scriptures into the language, the official language of the day, which was the Latin language. This was in the early, early part, maybe 200 to 780. I can't remember the exact time. But they had the Hebrew scriptures, but the language of the day was turning into Latin. So they wanted to translate the Hebrew scriptures from Hebrew to Latin. So they got 70 Hebrew scholars, and they each translated from the Hebrew to the Latin. So they got 70 Hebrew scholars that knew Hebrew and Latin, and they gave them each a copy of the scroll in Hebrew, and they set them in a room, and they said, okay, translate this from Hebrew to Latin. And so 70 people translated from the Hebrew to the Latin. They wanted to make sure they got the translation right. The story goes that when they compiled all these 70 translations of scripture, that they all agreed, like the translation was identical for each one of them, which is highly doubtable because translation is open to interpretation. 
but that's the way the story goes. And so the translation that came out of that is called the Septuagint. And sept means, uh, Septuagint is tied in with sept, which means 70, Septuagintia. And in, uh, in writing, sometimes you'll see it as LXX, which is the 70, right? LXX. And so you have this um, 70 people that translated from Hebrew to Latin. And now the Roman church uses this Septuagint instead of going back to the Hebrew text. So when Luther was around in the, in the 1500s, uh, he didn't really have, he didn't spend a lot of time on the Hebrew text. He spent all his time on the Latin translation of the Hebrew text, text called the Septuagint. So at the time of Luther, the scriptures were only the Old Testament translation into Latin and the New Testament translation from the original Greek into Latin. <clears throat> so those are the texts that, that Luther had at his time. But he still went back to the Hebrew text. And when he came across the word of God, Yahweh, and he saw the vowels in it for Adonai, he pronounced, because this is how you would pronounce it, he said, I, the name of God is Jehovah. Because if you take the original Adonai consonants and you put, or the, the, if you take the original Yahweh consonants and you superimpose upon that the vowels of Adonai, you get this word called Jehovah. So Luther, call, every time he translated, he would call it Jehovah. And so you see this in the German Bible, and we even see it today, where people will call the proper name of God Jehovah. And there's even songs about Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah, all these different translations of Jehovah. But the thing is, is Jehovah really isn't the proper name of God. We know it's not the proper name of God. Well, we assume it could be. <laughs> that God's actual way to say it was the point, the letters of, of Yahweh with the vowels of Adonai that somehow miraculously that is the proper name of God. But most people would say that the simple name of God is Yahweh and that Jehovah is actually not the proper way to say the name of God. But I don't know if it really matters because uh, the one thing nice about Jehovah is it likely isn't the name of God. It's a nice way to substitute uh, the proper name of God with something that's close to the proper name of God, but it isn't actually the, the name of God. So Jehovah is not a bad way to go. Um, but most, well, all every Hebrew scholar today realizes that Jehovah really isn't the name of God. It's just the four letters of God with the vowels of Adonai underneath it. Um, so that was a rather long description, and I don't even know if that's helpful, but I find it fascinating, particularly because coming out of that seminary class that I took with this gentleman who was teaching Hebrew, I did not want to say the word Yahweh because I didn't want to be offensive to other Jewish people because they don't say and they don't pronounce the name of Yahweh. But it is very, very, very hard to explain this particular issue without saying the proper name of God. And there aren't very many times where I will say the name of God. As a matter of fact, if I were reading in Hebrew, 
aloud, which I never do, but if I were reading the Hebrew aloud and I came across the word, the proper name of God, I would use Adonai or Hashem based upon whatever vowels I saw there. And um, that's just, that's what most uh, people who have to read aloud the Hebrew scriptures, uh, and they, there are in many, many synagogues today, there are uh, people who read the, the scriptures in the original Hebrew text, or they'll, what they call cantillate, which is to sing the words of Hebrew in the, with the original text. And so when you go to synagogue, oftentimes you'll hear them sing and chant the Hebrew scriptures in the original language in Hebrew. And if you don't understand Hebrew, it won't make any sense to you. It'll just be a beautiful melody um, that they're singing. But then the person who is preaching on that text or giving a lecture on that text or explaining that text would probably take it and do the explanation in the language of the people. And that's the same thing that happened in the Latin church. They would, they would do the whole entire mass, and if they had a reading, it would be in the original Latin, but then somebody would stand up and talk about it in, in the language of the people as much as they could, because, unless they were forbidden to, because sometimes they weren't. You had to learn Latin to understand this stuff. It was really weird in the, in the Middle Ages, the things that the church did. I mean, people, it was weird. People would go into the church and they would do the whole entire Mass in Latin, but most of the people didn't speak Latin. They didn't understand Latin. Sometimes there wasn't even a homily or, or something like that. And so they would go in, and the, 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 and the whole thing didn't center around the message, but it centered around this thing called Holy Communion, where the priest would get up there, and he would do everything in Latin around Holy Communion. Then people would come forward and um, take the bread on their tongue, the flesh of Christ. And they didn't drink the wine at that time because they didn't, they didn't, it was only of one kind. They only gave you the flesh, they never gave you the wine. And so the only thing that people would do is they would sit there in the congregation and watch the priest going around this, um, the bread and the wine, speaking words of Latin that didn't sound, that they didn't understand. And this is my body in Latin is hoc es meum corpus. And so that's where people got the word hocus pocus because that's what they heard around the elements, the bread and the wine on the altar. They heard hocus pocus. <laughs> so that's where that kind of comes from. Anyway, we didn't get very far today. I apologize for that. But I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking to you about God and the proper name of God and how it was so holy that you didn't really say it. So I think we'll, we'll end there. And uh, let's just go ahead and close in prayer. Dear God, we are so grateful that we can come to you and not be crushed by your holiness because you have bought and purchased us through your son, Jesus. And we know that we don't have to know your name because we know that you are our father. And that's good enough for us. Keep us safe until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.